0: Welcome back to Weekly EP. My name is Cody Swanson. This is episode eight and our guests today are Jose Delhart, born Jose Gonzalez, and Aben Renee from Chaska, Minnesota in the US. Jose and Aben have been playing in various projects and together for years and share some great thoughts on creativity and collaborative music making while being part of a chaotic and loving family. As always, we'll do a short intro, listen to the record in full, and then dive into the creative process. And first, here's a taste of that record. you guys want to just uh, jump into it then?
1: Yeah, that'd be great, Cody. Yeah, that'd be good. All
0: right. So uh, the very first question, what is, or I guess in this case, what are your names?
1: Well, my name is Jose Gonzalez. I That's my birth name, right? But I go by Jose Delhart. And that started out years ago when I started playing in a band called Boggs Visionary Orchestra back in Brooklyn. And um, I used to look for 78s of Vernon Delhart and they decided to start nicknaming me jose delhart so that that stuck and it just it it helped out because jose gonzalez was a very famous uh (laughs) or is very famous but at that point jose gonzalez was a you know blooming very famous uh swedish musician who was very well known everywhere so they were like well we need to distinguish you anyway so right
2: (laughs) (laughs) and i am abin renee um and kind of music I released is mainly through a project I did called Craven Canary and Keeper of the Bees, but when we do music together we've been kinda of releasing it with just our names for now. We can't decide on a band name yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, band names are very hard. Definitely.
1: Yeah. We were thinking about it, but I don't know, there's just nothing nothing seems strong.
2: I was gonna say I think it's harder to name a band than to name a kid. <laughs>
1: I think that's true.
2: Yeah, you analyze it even more.
1: <laughs> She's had some cool names for her bands though in the past. I think French films about trains, that's a really cool name. Nice.
2: Yeah, that was one of my old projects and um
1: Flutterby. What was it? There?
2: I started as uh, Flutterby and then that became keeper of the bees. Uh-huh.
1: Which is oh those are the names, they're all cool, very cool names, I think.
2: Well, and then it's hard when you find a good band name and then you look it up. Because I think when we were Anchor the Arrow or Bird and the Beast, one of them, there was already a band in England or something. Bird and the Beast, yeah. Some teenagers, Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that happens a lot, though.
0: That's the problem with the internet now, though, is that you can easily find out when someone else already had the idea.
2: Yeah, (laughs) we used to be ignorant to it and just hope and believe that we were the only ones, right? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Exactly. What made you guys decide to do one of the weekly EPs?
1: Well, we didn't decide that at all. That was Phil's decision. He said I had to do it. (laughs) (laughs) It
0: was by force.
1: I think when you're a parent and you have children, uh, priorities take over and you sometimes unfortunately forget or don't have the energy or the time to um, go back to writing and painting or creating music or whatever it is you want to create. But I think it takes strength and it takes focus and discipline to make sure you still keep that alive because it's super important. I think Avin has been also, you know, always reminding me of that and a lot of my great friends. And I think Phil, he's just always been a a great friend, brother, and he's definitely one of those people that is always uh, pushing, when are you going to make a freaking album? When are you going to put out another song?
0: (laughs) You know, it's so so, so good to have friends like that. Yeah. Yeah, of course it is. It's amazing.
2: And it was such a great thing. I mean, we have felt that kind of, um, I don't know how to describe it, but just that frustration for quite a while. I don't even remember the last time we did a song. It had been so long and getting back into this and working on it was the best thing ever. I mean, it really kind of woke that back up in our creative sides and even just in a big way that we bonded so it was amazing to get to do this
1: in many ways this has been a really big blessing which is i mean to many people it's going to be probably the moment they shut down their ep uh listening to this um interview because they're going to be like this is cheesy but in many ways it's the (laughs) truth i mean we have to speak the truth right and in many ways this um project has been a a really big blessing in our lives definitely
2: yeah it just kind of (laughs) reminded us that that's another part of who we are i mean we've got you know six kids and they've got their own music they're releasing now and their own arts and all these things that they're doing. And we kind of just forgot that this was a big part of who we are too. So
1: we're always telling them we're cool too. We've been doing this for many years. (laughs) We do. That that little song you just, you know, uh, recorded on your laptop, we've done things, you know, like that as well and much more. And uh, we're just, you know, busy loving and caring you. And that takes up pretty much 90% of our energy. (laughs) (laughs) So it's good to make the kids feel guilty once in a while.
0: Yeah, yeah. Show them them how it's done. (laughs) I think that's awesome because that that really is the idea behind starting this in general, to encourage people to not let themselves get in the way and to not think too much about it and just let the music be the focus and not the idea of making music. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And so i just kind of like to ask, uh, generally in the world, where did you make this record?
1: This record was made in Chaska, Minnesota. <laughs> so about half an hour away from the Twin Cities.
0: Would you say that the music you were working on here is something that feels like the kind of music that you would normally make? Or was it sort of a new experiment or going in a new direction?
2: Well, that's a good question. Um For me, it's definitely different than my solo stuff, which is way, way more experimental. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're so experimental in everything we do at all. We don't even know what it's going to sound like when we're done.
1: We're not like trained musicians in any way possible. And um, to some people, that's a disgrace. And to us, (laughs) it's actually our saving grace, I think, because we have fun just experimenting with what we have, and sounds come out that we like, and we just keep going with it. I tend to write more like standard like uh, songs, and so I think that for me, this project is very familiar to the way I write and record and, and lay things down. It feels very familiar. I only have one released album out there uh, in 2008, and it would connect very well with that album, I feel.
0: The last question then is uh, always sort of a silly question. And this one's not so silly, I guess. But if you could only play one instrument for the rest of your life, what would that instrument be?
1: I'd have to say it would have to be my guitar. And uh, I wanted to say my lap steel, but I think I would get very frustrated trying to sing along to my lap steel. <laughs> and um, But yeah, the guitar has been my, my one true friend from the beginning. So I think I will definitely stay with my my guitar.
2: Yeah, and as far as me, I actually don't play any instrument very well. Um I play violin, um, but not very well. And actually the little bit of violin on our album is from a broken one. <laughs> There's only three <laughs> strings on it, but we made it work.
1: We made it work. It um, right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I would probably say um I don't know if this counts, but just singing, humming. I do a ton of humming in music and everything, but I wouldn't need anything on a deserted island because I would find weird things to use. So I think just humming and singing, if I could say my voice was an instrument, I guess I would say that.
0: Yeah. Okay. No, that's a good answer. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, we will just jump straight into the record and... If you guys want to uh, introduce the the name of the record.
1: The record is titled Caminos Distintos, which is um, Distinctive Roads. So feels feels cohesive with the stories in the album. Yeah. All
0: right, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. But this is uh, Caminos Distintos Perfect. <laughs> <You're doing great. laughs> by uh, Jose Delhart and Albin René mm
1: Descalzo, corriendo, descalzo, corriendo, descalzo, corriendo, descalzo, la, 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 It's Christmas Day at the Drake Hotel It's Christmas Day at the Drake Hotel
3: Oh My dark soul
0: Dive right into the creative process and uh, I guess kind of run through the record and just talk about it and you know go from there.
1: Um, probably this is going to be a very unique um, album in your weekly EP because uh, if I can say so myself, <laughs> I think because we didn't have much time, even though we had seven days to record, write, and record the album, I knew that it was going to come down to maybe three days to actually work on the album. But what I did was I started writing the album as I was taking breaks from my work. I work as a social worker. It's it's a really intense job because you're dealing with a lot of different situations um, all at once. You're putting out a lot of fires and you're working with a lot of different people. And I knew that during the week, because I'm working from home and I couldn't really afford to take time off of work to do this, um, I so I told myself I knew I would you know, be working on writing a lot of it during the week and then hitting the the pavement with recording closer to the weekend, you know, at night I would, you know, sing a little bit to Abed and at first I felt kind of embarrassed singing some of them. And I was like, I just haven't done this in such a long time. I feel... I feel exposed. I feel naked. and um, Yeah, we
2: were both very intimidated by it at um, first. Yeah.
1: I feel naked and my body is out of shape. So I feel really like everywhere, you know? <laughs> so so I, <laughs> I just couldn't, you know, it was hard in the beginning. And then at, and then I just kind of grew past it and um, asked Avin for ideas. And she pitched in some ideas on some of the songs. And Friday evening came along and we started. You know the recording process started. I kind of uh you know had a few breakdowns because I I'm I'm just used to recording with with certain type of gear. Abin picked me up from those breakdowns, and after <laughs> her after her saving saving me from the breakdowns, I just was able to kind of see past that and move on. And we just started having so much fun after that, and I just couldn't wait till the moment where I could you know stop. Uh, you know, from cooking dinner to then jumping back into the room and, and recording the rest of the songs and putting kids to sleep, then jump back into recording. You know, <laughs>
2: and what was really cool about that is that we would just kind of inspire one another. You know, I would hear what he had just laid down, and I just think it was amazing, and it would just remind me of the first time I ever heard his music. And I mean, my gosh, even just first time we had ever done a duet without ever meeting and. Hearing, you know, the way he mixes his vocals and things. And so then I'd get all excited and add my part and do my little insecure, like, I don't know, did I ruin it? And then he'd hear it and love it. And so it was just really great to kind of go through that process again,
1: too. (laughs) And I would tell her, You saved the song because I I was really tired of the monotony of my voice. And I'm like, You saved the song, definitely.
2: Which is, I think, why we do love making music (laughs) together is right when we start to get bored of our own contribution to it, Mm -hmm. then we hear what the other person. Of how they complement it, and then we kind of get all excited again about the song. So
1: Abin is really great at working with sounds, and even though she doesn't have like this um, degree in mixing and, and and mastering or anything like that, Definitely she's actually not. She, she's actually really talented on on her own with that. So that's why I've always loved her own like music. Her projects, like her her uh, solo projects, have always been pretty much like the best of her music. I think. And I enjoy doing things on my own too. The only thing is that I come from the old school, which I don't know, the late nineties, we were all recording on uh, multi-track recorders, you know, Tascam, Fostex mm-hmm. and all that, oh, yeah, the 424,
0: 488. Yep. And I mm-hmm. got
1: so hooked on all that, that for me, it's been really hard to switch over to um, working on my laptop. You know, it just doesn't feel the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. I need to have those faders in front of me and moving them up and down and repairing one or two and you know like you know messing around with the machine and and, then going through the headaches of it overheating and all that kind of stuff you know
0: what what is your setup like
1: well i have a dell laptop um and um believe it or not even though i had downloaded reaper i used audacity because it's very simple and aben knows how to use it a little bit better than i do so because i'm not used to recording like this we decided to go with audacity and we were using a very terrible microphone i don't know where it went but then oven decided to buy a um
2: snowball it?
1: snowball I yeah
3: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. i mean it was just kind of all we could find um i think with uh everything going on in the world right now who would have thought about the microphones all being sold out
1: it was yeah it was kind of weird
2: yeah we just weren't really sure what to do but the mic we had <coughs> used to be a decent mic but it's a little bit broken after letting kids use it for their recording mm-hmm. projects. And, you know, we know Audacity is probably not uh used by very many people who take their music seriously, but it's the only thing I've ever used. It's the only thing I understand for now. And we knew we just didn't have time. We knew we didn't have time to start mm. doing something new. We kind of had to go with what we could do in that short amount of time. So,
0: I mean, know. totally. Like, you know, there are a bunch of different programs out there, but no one program is better than the other if it gets in the way of making music you know exactly
2: and just talking about the process i was thinking about it when it was all done and we we were actually okay with it we were like okay this is this is something we don't feel terrible about sending off we actually don't mind putting our names on this and it was like going to a retreat but instead of the luxury of going to a therapeutic retreat it was like having to bring the retreat into your chaotic life, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the very beginning of the week was, you know, Jose kind of randomly playing his guitar and humming and singing, getting his lyrics together, and we knew that this this project would focus on Jose's lyrics. That's we, you know, that he was going to kind of head up the projects and everything, and so, you know, just waiting for that to kind of come together and. And again, yeah, we both did have that extreme, like in the beginning of the week, I know I for sure said, you know, I'm embarrassed to sing in front of you. I haven't (laughs) haven't done something in seriousness, you know, we're all singing and being crazy around this house, but to do something to be taken seriously, we just hadn't even been, that hadn't been a part of our lives Mm -hmm. in a long time. We actually were shy about it with each other. And so it really was kind of therapeutic to go through from, you know, a Monday through a Sunday night literally to the very last minutes of Sunday night (laughs) it was super therapeutic and super interesting to see how we did come together and and recognize ourselves again recognize each other as artists again and um and then that's my favorite part about making music is having that you know kind of skeleton that we kind of know we're going to use but then each layer, just seeing what's happening, and we're both so into the experiment we we don't have a plan of every little thing we're gonna add, and so each thing that we would add was so exciting to see how it would come out
0: so the the first track on the record is so my uh, Spanish is terrible <laughs> but um it translates to uh, running barefoot, yeah right is that mm-hmm. okay. I noticed there was obviously there's a guitar on it mm-hmm. and it sounds like there's maybe um like an organ or air organ or some sort of like uh kind of bellows instrument
1: it's a casio that uh i've found for me at the goodwill local goodwill it's a little cat oh, really yeah it's a Casio. let's see casio tone mt35 sounds <laughs> fancy
2: it's got all those great vintage yeah. you know cream and orange and mustard yellow colors on it's
1: beautiful. it. beautiful. yeah she found oh, the pair awesome. and a pair of cowboy boots for me. The cowboy boots didn't fit, but the let's right, the price is still on the, it the, yeah four dollars and ninety nine cents. That's on the song and the guitar, some percussion that I've been through in there and strange sounds and some vocals toward the end. It's a very simple song
2: we just every time i'd come and listen to another layer i was like oh i never even thought of that adding that and
0: what is being said in the song because again my spanish is unfortunately pretty bad
1: you you um i don't know did you pronounce it already let's see how you pronounce it
2: <laughs> you're going <making> make him <laughs> do it before
0: you said uh, it descal- very good you're pretty good you do better than i do you're doing great um cody
1: definitely Corriendo um, Descalzo, which you said, you know, running barefoot. Um, for me, writing these songs, I, I tend to be in my head a lot, and I tend to want to always be on the underdog's side, and I, I am really kind of um, attracted to people that are going through situations and poverty and hardship Um, I've had my share of it, but I don't think it compares to any of the people that I've connected with in my life that have had some really terrible hardships. And I think that for me, the underdog is always, you know, the hero and I, Corriendo Descalzo means that to me. It means I may not have shoes, you know, I may not have the things that other people consider necessary to be able to have a, you know, a run or a walk but I'm, I'm, I'm running barefoot and I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. You know, writing the song, I envisioned like children just enjoying themselves with whatever they have. And, you know, I envisioned something really simple and what we would call poverty, but in, in, in the way I see it, I see it as, you know, being rich in life and enjoy, you know, that's nice. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I started to get into my keeper of the beat flutter by type experience. I was like, we need to run, and we need to have like barefoot running on the dirt paths and run the microphone alongside of us. So we're just like, we don't have time.
3: <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, that's, that's definitely what we were kind of picturing. Um, so you just have to use your imagination, which I think the song does kind of give you that feeling of just like running.
1: It was supposed to have children, uh, our kids actually <laughs> singing on it. The la la la's very loosely and, and happily. And, we literally um, couldn't
2: pay them. No, Avin was trying to it.
1: bribe them with uh, money, uh, money, and what? A trip to a Target?
2: I said five dollars and a trip to Target, and um, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it, and I used to bribe them all the time with toys to come sing with <laughs> me. But nobody, nobody would do it this time. So it was just us.
1: <laughs> when that's I think that. about it, I, I think about it and I'm like, it's got to, it, it brings me to Nacho Libre when when he's uh, taking care of all those kids and they're just having fun on the dirt road and, you know, just yes, it yeah, kind of brings me exactly. to that scene. Have you ever seen the movie,
0: Nacho Libre? Uh, not, not in not in its entirety. No. <laughs> okay. You must. That That's the problem. Okay. It's a great movie. It's beautiful. It's really
1: funny too. It's great.
0: Okay. I will. Yeah. <laughs> I I enjoy all the recommendations I I get through these uh, interviews, either uh, music or movies, so I will happily take them. (laughs) I definitely want to talk, too, about the second song, about the Drake Hotel fire. I was not familiar with this. Uh, It actually took me a few days to consider that (laughs) the Drake Hotel was probably a real hotel. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that there might have been a fire there
2: oh and very recent too
0: yeah that's what i found too when i looked it up i had no idea that that had happened but uh generally what i do is i put all the songs together and i just kind of listen to them without really paying attention to um track name and stuff like that at the beginning and it kind of felt you know sort of like this almost upbeat song to me in a certain way like yeah. and then i kind of started thinking about it more and i was like oh
1: <laughs> it's, kind of a,
0: it's it's a bit of a uh darker uh, yeah tone sort of hidden under there
1: yeah i think i think it goes back to when i started writing my own music i think a lot of feedback that i would get was that you know a lot of people would be like jose that's a lovely song it's just so dark you know and i'm like yeah i i think that's what's coming out and i think like i said you know I, I think i have a gravitation toward things like that not because i'm a dark person or because i'm a miserable person or because i just want to be sad but because i i feel like i connect and i relate to people going through those situations and it does something to me um personally so i don't know i know that when the drake uh, hotel fire happened here um, Christmas day everybody's you know getting together with families everybody's looking forward to a nice home cooked meal and if you looked up the Drake hotel was technically not a hotel it was just it's a homeless sh- it was a homeless shelter for many 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 years mm-hmm. um, it used to be a hotel back in the back in the heyday right 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 back when things are really like extravagant and that hotel was built in Minneapolis as a luxury hotel and then it you know Went through so many different phases and then landed as a homeless shelter, which was one of the most impoverished homeless shelters here in in the Twin Cities, uh, the Drake Hotel, a place where many people um, got their, you know, second chance at getting back up from their feet and, you know, a place where a lot of people cried many tears and also celebrated you know, many different ways of, you know, finding themselves again, finding housing again, having a roof over their head with their, with their children. Call so the place home, yeah. yeah, a lot of people called it home, you know, and, and it's, uh, it was such a sad thing to see. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Just to wake up Christmas morning and already, and that's a, it's a really large building. Mm-hmm. And so it was incredible. Just the amount of families that the mayor just could not contain himself. He just started crying he couldn't keep himself together because he just, it was so overwhelming to think. And, you know, we were all so grateful that it's incredible, actually, that no one was hurt. Because if you look at the footage, its it, it was a big fire, which is kind of that line we have. It was just everybody's saved, but it feels like hell because there's just ruins in their pajamas. It was in the middle of the night, the early morning, and um, they filled a parking lot with um, diapers and coats. Cold presence presents, just trying to make it okay mm-hmm. but it was it was really really overwhelming the you know it's very cold in minnesota so it was a yeah. it was just a cold shocking morning for everybody to have on christmas day and um shockingly a lot of the kids were kids are so resilient they were dealing with it. And you saw a lot of smiles still in the footage and everything. The parents were the ones that you could see that stress of
0: now. What? Right. Because they, they were the, they were the ones thinking about the next day and the day after that. And
2: Right. Which is the um, chorus of our song is yeah. where do we go now?
1: I struggled. Yeah. I struggled with writing the song because I did not want to be so descriptive of what the people were going through right. possibly. You know, I, I think I just wanted to say simply that you know these these tragedies happen every day and i think that it's important for us to share a little bit of that you know heartache that people go through whether it's in thought whether it's in action i think it's important for humans to share a little bit of that with saying it very simple you know these toys that they may have left behind in the lyrics i wanted to put down something where it kind of felt like such a tragedy and such a hardship that parents would be willing to sell the children's toys for a meal for a warm place to be, um, for some security, you know, yeah. which is such a hard thing because, you know, Christmas day, that's all we want to do. You know? Uh, and, and I mean, as a parent, you want to see your child open up gifts, even though I know that's not, you know, technically the meaning, right. The quote unquote meaning of Christmas, but right, right, right. We've, we've been accustomed, you know, as a society to have gifts available for, especially children, you know? So yeah, there's, there's something really tragic and sad about it all.
2: Well, and I think when I was listening to the song back, we don't mention a fire, right?
1: No, I didn't mm-hmm. want to. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that was the goal is we definitely didn't want to disrespect anyone by going into any detail and, and to even imply that we would think that we could relate in any way, but yeah, just kind of like what Jose was saying of just bringing you know, shedding light that that, that that happened and it shouldn't be overlooked because that's definitely a, a moment the families will never forget. And there was good. There were, the community did really come together. I think, especially in the spirit of Christmas, I think people very were quickly, very quick yeah. to reach
1: out and make sure everybody was taken care of. Shelters made extra space. Um,
2: hotels opened hotels, up. Uh, yeah. It,
1: yeah. Everybody came together very quickly. for
2: that, And hopefully gave them a better Christmas than they could have even had. So it's interesting that you found that to be upbeat i think we were worried it would be too sad <laughs> and I think that's what kind of drew me to do the higher harmonies and stuff is to just bring something a little lighter to it because it was you know such a sad topic
1: but
0: that might have been what tricked me yeah
2: i don't know <laughs> <laughs> tricked you
1: we got close to i got close to not Having that song in the album. Oh yeah, he was about to pull it. I was like, I'm, I'm done with this song. It feels too sad. It feels too monotonous. And then she worked on it, and it, it really definitely changed it for me. Because I was like, okay, it's, it'll stay on now. It'll definitely stay on.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it did. I really like that song. So that would have been a bummer. Thank you. And then, yeah, do you want to say a little bit about uh, Wise Man or the, you know, the last two tracks? Just talk a little bit about maybe. I don't know where those came from, how they kind of took shape.
1: Well, Wise Man is, um, I think I I really enjoy Westerns. I enjoy um, Native American culture. And I think that Wise Man, I use those things that I enjoy to kind of mask a personal story of mine. So it's autobiographical in in the sense that I wrote it about events in my life that were difficult and how I got through them. But I masked it by creating a really beautiful story if I had the ability to become a movie director. in In my eyes, it became a, a, a movie a, you know a story that I that I would tell. And um, yeah, and that that song just kind of shaped itself that way. You know, there's a lot of imagery in that song, so it just it's kind of tricky to kind of figure out how to or, you know put everything in order, you know, when you're writing a song. So that one took a little bit more time to kind of figure out. Once I started writing it, I knew I wanted strings on it, but I didn't know how to get it to the hands of someone who would be able to make it sound like a quartet or something like that on it. But, you know, it just, it just had to be what it, whatever it had to be. And I think, I think we did it justice, you know, for the sake of the story. Um, and the uh, instrumental, No Me Deje Solo Mama, which means um, Don't Leave Me Alone, Mother. It felt good. It felt like a playful, somewhat sad kind of lullaby for us. That last song, and that's why we kept it really simple. It it's just Mm -hmm. banjo and uh, vocals. It's all kind of uh, again touches base on like the first instrumental in terms of like what means a lot to us in life versus what society tells us should mean a lot to us. And I think that family is a really big deal. Uh, It should be, at least in my eyes. And as a as a couple, we've experienced a lot of. I guess, situations with family life and uh, some haven't been easy, some have been difficult and some have been great. I know that as I get older, I fear a little bit more losing my family, you know, to my mother passing away or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. there's more thought in that. I, I, didn't, I didn't think about that a lot when I was a little bit younger. I'm, I'm thinking a lot about it more now.
2: Yeah, and we universe. we kind of imagined just, you know, we knew it was gonna be an EP. We knew it would only have a few songs. We'd originally thought five songs, but we had definitely wanted those two to be the without even knowing what they were gonna sound like, we had we had decided that we wanted bookends, basically, instrumental bookends oh. on the EP. And so we felt like it the beginning one uh captures that innocence um of childhood and, mm. and carefreeness of childhood and then the ending is A little bit haunting we didn't mean for it to sound so haunting but it kind of did a little bit of a lullaby and just yeah that anchor of 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 what a mother is you know
0: it's really nice i i'm just like i'm trying to think of something to say but i just i'm I'm, I'm, i just i like that idea i think that's really nice i think it especially is hard to work something like that idea into an ep in a lot of ways to a short record it's it's sort of like with filmmaking, a, yeah. a lot of people will kind of talk about how writing a short film that's good, you know, that that has a proper story and moves properly. Like that is harder than making a feature length film. Sure. Because you have such a small amount of time to develop the character to to move the audience, to tell a story, and I think it's really cool that you guys fit in A kind of thematic lattice work, even into the four tracks.
1: I've always felt that my songwriting um, is more of a spiritual, personal approach um, in songwriting. I I can't break out of it, even though I have tried in the past. That's why sometimes I've told myself, I'm like, well, I'm having a lot of fun creating these songs and um, writing them and um, visualizing them. And, um, if I, if at some point in my life I can step into another realm of, um, being creative with, with music, I'd probably join like a hardcore punk band or, a (laughs) uh, you know, a salsa band or something totally different where I did not touch on the more emotional side of the way I think. So yeah, I think that for, for this project, it just, it felt natural to just work on what comes obviously natural to me you know and i think it's um like again connection with all those things of um you know the themes of emotional states and things that people go through and i yeah i think we really work well together with that we've proven it in the past and we've worked on other little projects before
2: and i think that was the beauty of the like our favorite part of just that experimentation and just knowing we have a goal of what it's going to be like but we both had literally no idea what it would really sound like in the end, and we both kind of prefer it that way
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, i I think about that a lot too when I think of people that um create demos of the entire album, you know, like they'll create like a full album really planned out with all the demos, and then they'll just basically go in and do those songs in a more you know, I guess click track or you know more refined kind of proper way and I've never really felt like doing that but also I think that's because usually if I do a demo of a song first it's always better than (laughs) any attempt I try to make it recording it in like a quote proper way like I always end up going back to the demo and thinking like there's something about this that's just it's it's a hundred times better you know yeah. And uh, I kind of, yeah, I think just having that um, mystery as the song's evolving is sort of what what makes songwriting in general so appealing.
2: Definitely. I still can't picture us doing, uh, maybe Jose can more than I can, like a really polished record. No, I can't. I just can't I even imagine to. it.
1: I would be very upset if I ever did something. like that. <laughs> I don't think There's anything wrong with that, you know. And, and I think equipment and having a space that's you know soundproof and all that can be can be you know something good. Um, but I think that there's I don't know there's something about being creative that can that that those type of settings might stifle creativity. I, I don't know. I, and I just I don't know. That's kind of my opinion, but. Yeah, I
2: Yeah, I think it just suits us really well to just know that we're we have just a lot doing it for more of the yeah. experiment and experience than,
1: than a super polished. Yeah, and I think I've always been, I, th- I think in, in my mind, I feel like I, I always want to be accessible. Like I want to have something in common with people. I, I don't ever want to feel like I'm creating something that's above anything. I, I want it to be something that people can relate to, something that, Another musician can say, hey, I remember recording something that sounded similar to that when I didn't have, you know, my uh, Apple computer with my uh, great program that I have now, I remember, (laughs) you know, or someone can say like, hey, I can, I've been working on music and I I can do this. I can, I can record something like this. I feel like that's what I, I would rather have that be the inspiration than anything else, you know?
3: Definitely.
0: I thought it was interesting you were saying earlier that you have kids now that are starting to make their own music. And I was just curious, do you try to stay out of it? Do you even try to like, <laughs> I feel like for myself, it might be like tempting if you start hearing them mimicking music that maybe is like, you're like, oh, that's, here, why don't you listen to this record? <laughs> you know, or sure, like.
2: yeah. No, I, I mean, and honestly, all six of the kids are, just incredibly talented in so many ways—singing, art, sculpture, dance. Like they're, but they're all really very humble about it. To the point that it's just almost maddening as a parent because you see that they're just like overflowing with so much talent. Uh, you know, we've got kids ranging from eight years old to almost twenty-one, and the the older ones when they started to be creative and make music, definitely. I just wanted in on it so bad and they weren't, (laughs) they weren't so, they actually really celebrate the music that, you know, that we've made in the past and everything, but they, I think they were just too shy to, I was like, we should do some open mics and we should, you know, work, we should make a little EP and um, they're very private about it and everything. And they're all super talented and they, they just kind of, um, we see little things on social media as they get older and they start having social media. That's when we really um, start to realize like, Oh wow, look, they're releasing their own stuff. And (laughs) bit by bit, we see that they've written their own song, but they just about die if we compliment them on (laughs) it. (laughs) um, So we don't, you
0: know, don't leave a comment on Instagram or whatever.
2: (laughs) Oh, Totally. I think we do anyway, but, (laughs) yeah (laughs) they just say they they keep it all so secret you know everything our kids Uh do that they're so talented about they're they're very very secretive about all their talent (laughs) um so i don't know i i dream of us uh being able to do something where they would want to maybe be a part of a project or something and um i don't know if we can talk them into it but but yeah we've kind of learned to let them just explore their styles on their own and I think we were dying when they were doing just nothing but covers.
1: Covers, yeah. That was annoying. That was annoying. annoying. You know, it wasn't cool covers like the ones we did when we were kids of Guns N' Roses or anything like that. They're like. uh If I can say that that was cool, <laughs> yeah. You, um, you
2: thought that was cool.
3: <laughs> I thought it was
1: amazing when I when I was able to like you know play some like uh, Guns N' Roses lead guitar on my on my like crappy little like electric guitar that I had first bought. I, I thought it was amazing that I could do that. Um, so yeah, I, I see how they were enjoying their covers, but it was quite <laughs> frustrating and painful to hear those covers. But
2: I think over time we started discovering through the grapevine that they had released something on SoundCloud or YouTube or Instagram. And it would be something they wrote themselves. And um, I think once we backed off, they just discovered it on their own. And I think that they have kind of learned what they do like, and that they are more creative than they even realized.
0: Um, Where can people find your music?
1: Well, I think um, mine is on... Bandcamp and um, also SoundCloud. Uh, those are the two spots. I mean, I know that I'm also on Spotify, I think, and iTunes. You're yeah. very famous. Oh <laughs> man, famous! famous. I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah,
2: you can definitely find Jose's music. I think on some more legit spots, but no, I think uh, mine was always very. A lot of it was very collaborative. Um, it's there's a uh, SoundCloud. Just my name, Abin Renee. I think the URL is like love and toast. I think that's what I named it back <laughs> when. But that's just all the projects I've worked on over the years. That was how I started singing. So that's kind of the SoundCloud that has just a variety of everything. And then the Keeper of the Bees on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some random stuff on They're Bandcamp. Not on Bandcamp. Well, maybe. Yeah, I think there's some releases on Bandcamp.
0: Oh, and then, yeah, so then the last thing I guess I really uh, wanted to touch on, and I guess we've talked about this throughout the entire thing, but just sort of the last reflection on the record in general. Like, what do you think? You know, how do you feel about it now that it's done?
1: Oh, I think I, I think we both feel really great about it. It was, again, it was such a good experience to be able to, you know, dive back into. Um, I mean, there's obvious things that, you know, like I said before, you know, if I had the time, but then that would completely go against, you know, the nature of the project. But um, again, I, I, I tend to kind of go into like the whole thing of like really wanting to perfect things, even if they're sounding, even if I'm using lo-fi equipment, um, you know, I, I I'd probably go back and, you know, redo vocals or whatever and add certain things that I really enjoy adding to music, which is like strings and things like that. But when we sit down and listen to it, we were very happy with it, and
2: yeah, it was. And it's nice, you know. I'm sure you know anyone who works on music; you get to that point where your ears are just bleeding of that those four songs. You know, it's just you just you're listening to it so much that you almost hate it, and and then you take a break, and we just didn't hear it for. A little bit and then just to hear it again mm. it was nice it was like okay and and i have i'm kind of obsessive about i want to hear it in a car i want to hear it in my mm-hmm. headphones and i want to hear it on like just a phone like how is the majority of the people who are going to listen to this you know i want to hear it on my iphone speaker or something you know just to kind of right, hear right, right. it in the different ways and then i think once we did that we'd taken a break and then we went back and heard it yeah i think that we were like you know this is this is pretty good this is something we aren't afraid to put our names on and share and it was definitely a really amazing project to be a part of and definitely woke up a part of us that was very dormant for a long time so we are really grateful for that too
1: definitely
0: well i'm i'm incredibly happy that you guys um did this i mean it was uh as i said it's right pretty much right on the bullseye of what I was hoping to to do with it when it started you know just giving people a framework to make music and and then talking about it you know like you know I love playing shows and I you know I love recording music myself but I think uh you know it recently dawned on me that it I just really like talking to people, to other people, about music and about making music too. Like it's just, it's all so similar and it's also different. You know, it's it comes from different places, different backgrounds, different motivations, but mm-hmm. you know, in the end, the kind of feeling is all kind of universal in a lot of ways.
2: Definitely, yeah. Keep um, doing this. This is it's a great project. It's a great idea.
0: Very much so. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I, I hope to. Yeah,
1: we are honored to be on this. Very much so.
0: I sincerely hope that you guys keep making stuff and, and keep uh, working on stuff together. And, and, you know, maybe maybe in like five to 10 years, your kids will start coming around to uh, doing some collaborations. <laughs>
2: we'll finally be cool yeah. enough again.
0: Finally. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Weekly EP. Once again, my name is Cody Swanson. I had a really nice time talking with Jose and Avin, and I think that there are a lot of good things to think about in regards to how they approach music and life in general. Please check out more of their music at josedelhart.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash love and toast. There are a ton of great songs on there. And if you haven't already, please subscribe and rate our podcast and follow us on Instagram You can find all the episodes and more on our website, weeklyep.com. And if you or someone that you know would like to do your own weekly EP, please get in touch. We would love to hear from you.